Incoming transmission from the Babylon Project. Welcome to the Babylon Project, our last Best Hope for Trash. This is a rewatch podcast for Babylon 5, featuring three friends who are wandering through the wilderness of Season 5. My name is Justin, and here to help me along are my co-hosts, Jude and Anna. Jude, Anna, how you doing? Man, where do you even start with that these days? <laughs> well, I'll, I'll start with just that approximately 20 minutes after I fell asleep last night, I woke up with the worst migraine that I've had in months. So, you know, had to stagger over to the bathroom, take ibuprofen, crawl back up in bed, and then got back to sleep at like four in the morning. That sucks. Yep. It was... Yeah, that's lame. Yeah. I don't... I mean, other than my usual gripes about work and a house full of goblins of various size and description, uh, I don't really have anything to complain about particularly, Um, you know, other than the impending arrival of World War Three, or the actual arrival of World War Three, depending on where you're sitting. You know, other than that, world's fine. Pandemic, war in Europe, very chill. World's fine. <laughs> I saw a hot take on Twitter today that was something to the effect of the four horsemen of the apocalypse are really uh, something about, like, the four, two of the, the uh, famine and something were already here plague made a strong showing last year and then war just pops up out of nowhere and it was just like <laughs> i hate that how accurate that is wow yeah we got all four of them up in our shit right now i mean i've i've spent i've spent my day dealing with being annoyed people who lack media literacy so um over all things a fucking wrestling entrance music <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing I've been angry tweeting about today. People do not look what I was doing at on to truly it could be any I could have done anything better with my Tuesday. Well, you're here recording now, so yes. it's all good. Yeah. All right. Um tonight we are covering two episodes. This is our 59th goddamn this episode. Is, episode 59, is that really true? And we have, I think, three more after this remaining. So we're going to do 62, which is a number that I don't like. Yeah, no, because um, it's going to be. What's wrong 60, with 62? 17, is that like 18, 19, numerologically? I, it's just it's I would 64 is a much nicer is a much nicer number. Okay, well, why don't we like cover two of the B five movies and call it a oh, day? Fuck. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not artificially spacing about now that i've come up with this now it's just cheapening it that that i truly well we could we well. could do we could do my idea of <coughs> doing the last doing multiple last episodes but like bringing back guests and i mean just like and splitting it up so that we don't have like everybody all at once yeah I mean, well we'll find we'll find a way to stretch it to hit to hit your more your more uh aesthetically pleasing 64 but i do think there's at least one of the movies that we should watch mm -hmm. uh but those are going to be like specials i think we've determined that they're going to yeah, be special they're not going to be numbered episodes i 62 is 62 is not a prime so it's a fine okay whatever and, but it's like it, the only the only divisors for 62 are 2 and 31 
And those, yeah, it's not a great number. It's not a great number. Yeah. It's just like it's a really like mm, number. There are two of the, of the B5 movies that I wouldn't mind covering. The one that's got the last appearance of Jakar and the the one about the the Minbari war which has a whole bunch of cool background info about the Minbari and yeah, shit. Anyway, we're not uh talking about those tonight. No. Um it, we if, are- if only we could stretch it out to be 69. Yeah, that'd be sweet. I mean, we're probably going to, with all the filler episodes we have, like, we probably are getting closer to that than we actually are. To- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, anyways, tonight we are covering uh, two episodes, episodes 16 and 17, and All My Dreams Torn Asunder, and Movements of Fire and Shadow. I have the first episode, so Justin, take it away. Thanks, Justin. So this is Season 5, Episode 16, and All My Dreams Torn Asunder, written by J. Michael Straczynski, and directed by Goran Gajic. I... Gajic? I, I cannot pronounce these names. I, I cannot pronounce, like, Southeastern European names, and I apologize. John wakes up to find Delenn missing from bed, and when he looks out to the living room, finds Delenn sitting in front of a candle. He tells her to come back to bed, because she's going to need her strength. Later... Londo approaches a council session and is told that it's a closed session that he's been disallowed. Londo protests that this is unfair, that he can't defend himself. In the council sessions, Delenn and Sheridan reveal that they have conclusive evidence that the Centauri are responsible, and they will follow their promise to pursue whatever action the council decides. After the credits, Franklin presents evidence to explain how they determined Centauri-built weapons were used in the attacks. Garibaldi then testifies to the tactics of the Centauri used in the attack, and presents the pin of the Centauri Palace Guard who attacked him on the Drazi homeworld. Jakar appears at Londo's quarters, and Londo immediately thinks he was in on it, but Jakar assures him he was not there as a spy. Jakar says that he never believed Londo knew the extent of things or what was really going on. Jakar tells Londo that they are ready to see him now. In the council chambers, Londo insists this is a joke, based on circumstantial evidence. He says that Centauri-built weapons can be explained by exports or equipment left behind from Centauri after they left Narn. Delenn summons Lanier for their last evidence. He presents his recording of Centauri warships destroying ships, including on ships that are surrendering. Sheridan informs Londo that in response to these acts of war, they will be embargoing the Centauri and blockading their space. Sheridan says that as of now, the Centauri stand alone. A minister on Homeworld sends to Malari and informs him that it must either be forgery or that these events were staged. The minister insists that it is a frame job. Londu provides the regent's response that this is all a hoax and they categorically deny all charges. The Centauri refuse to be intimidated and withdraw from the Alliance. They will have their transports escorted by warships. As Londu leaves, Sheridan says that if Londu leaves the station, he will not be allowed back on again. Londo warns that any attack on their ships will be an act of war. Londo also tells Vier to stay behind to represent the Centauri while he is gone. Delenn visits Jakar in his quarters, and Jakar informs her that he will be going with Londo. He believes that he still needs protecting, and he will be Londo's bodyguard again. Jakar also gives Delenn several revisions to the Book of Jakar to be added on, including several earlier parts that he rewrote from when he was a much angrier person. Delenn tells Jakar that he is one of the finest writers she has known, and that it has been a joy to work with him. Zack comes to Garibaldi's quarters to pick him up for a briefing, and sees that Garibaldi is drunk. When Zack confronts him, Garibaldi lashes out at him. Zack stands up for himself, though, and tells him that he is doing this because he cares. Garibaldi shows up to Sheridan eventually, and he briefs him on the current situation. 
Sheridan wants him to coordinate a spy network to keep track of Centauri shipments so they can enforce the blockade with their White Stars. On Centauri Prime, Jakar and Londo are greeted with a view of warships. Londo is denied access to the region, however. While Garibaldi is supposed to be listening on the Centauri movements, he is dead slight drunk, and the White Stars go to engage without backup. The Drazi who confront the Centauri are caught in the first wave, and battle breaks out. Veer, who has been trying to contact Londo on a homeworld but can install Wald, has Franklin come to him so they can move to new quarters. Several Bakiri come to attack Veer in a hallway, and Franklin, like a boss, takes them out to rush him to safety. Garibaldi, during a staff meeting, covers his ass about the blockade. The council then devolves into bickering, and Sheridan shouts everyone down and loses his shit, telling him that if they want a war, it's a war they'll get. On Centauri, Londo is woken up. He is told by the Minister Asshole that war has broken out, and as Jakar is a member of the Alliance Advisory Board, he is to be placed under arrest. Londo tries to protest, but Jakar accepts his fate. When Londo says that he refuses, and that Jakar will go where he goes, and he goes where... Jakar goes, cut to Londo in jail. <laughs> they can't arrest us both. <laughs> On the station, John Del- joins Delenn in prayer, and Delenn talks about the symbology of flame and life in Mabari f- philosophy. And then, war! Man. Uh, how many episodes do we have to resolve this whole fucking war? Um, five. <laughs> also, can you, ha- I can't handle the fucking like uncomfortable timeliness of a state initiating uh, an incomprehensible military action against its neighbors and then being lev- and then having sanctions levied against it isolating it against the rest of political society also the also the like propaganda yeah it's, uh, the parallels are uncomfortable <laughs> Uh, except for when you get to the next episode and you realize that there's aliens involved. But I don't know. We don't know what's going on in Russia. Could be aliens involved in Putin's brain. That would probably make more sense than what he's I dreaming mean, of. He's probably just old and dying and making some. Oh, autocratic. okay. Fine. If you want to be, <laughs> if you want to be sensible, we're not trying to make light of the situation. I just think there's no real good explanation for for Putin is all. Anyway. Man, there's so much weird bullshit in this episode. Where do we oh, start? Where do we even start? <laughs> okay, I know exactly where to start. I know exactly, exactly where to start. And that's, I fucking hate Sheridan's goddamn loafers in this episode. <laughs> of all the things okay. to hate. I, it, is the, it is the single thing that sums up everything I hate about season five Sheridan. He's in his goddamn bathrobe, and the first thing he does is put on his goddamn penny loafers. He's not even wearing pants yet, and he puts on these these fucking loafers. And then when he's meditating with Delent in front of the flame, he's wearing these these same goddamn old man penny loafers. And maybe maybe John is a never nude. I think he <laughs> might be. Battery might be one of those people who just like like has to wear goddamn shoes everywhere. I don't know what it is, but I hate it. I, I mean, it's just, John is from the Midwest. I, I know several people from the Midwest who just, like, I'm saying that, I like, who, like, have to wear their shoes every goddamn wear in the house. And as somebody who just, like, cannot wear shoes inside the house unless I'm, like, dealing with, like, broken glass or something, it's just... No, I, I get that. I'm just saying, it's one thing to wear shoes in the house. It's one thing to wake up 
step out of the shower and the first thing you do is put on a pair of fucking penny loafers without even any socks. Fucking savage. Like, at least put them in some decent slippers. Right? They're not, and they're not slippers. You can hear them banging, like, he clacks around in them like a goddamn clogger. (laughs) Oh, I hate them so much. I hate them so much. It's everything I hate about Sheridan in season five. And there's a lot I hate about Sheridan in season five. I hate every scene with him and Delenn in this in this season. Their relationship, which I liked so much in seasons three and four, infuriates me in this season. Yeah. It, it, what it feels like is that there are two people who originally came together because they, I mean, they came together over like a shared goal, and it's almost like now that they're living together and working together. It's falling. It's like that. There, that it just isn't clicking anymore. I mean, it, it's <sighs> there's. They have gone from like high levels of chemistry to like season one Sinclair and his girlfriend levels of chemistry. Uh, and it's I, not, I mean, the, it's not, not that happen. bad, man. It's, it's close. It's close. It's you know. It reminds. It reminds me of like you know when you when you see like on like our relationships and somebody will post and it's just like, just, just let it go. Like the relationship's not just not working anymore. You know what? I'm all, here's what I will say. I don't hate it as much as Garibaldi and anyone, but Garibaldi and his weird brainwash victim girlfriend from Mars have better chemistry than he and Delenn do this season. Like it's bad. I think part of it is that they're, like, it's clear that, like, Delenn and Sheridan are both, like, being run ragged in a way that the Shadow War didn't do to them. Yeah. And that it's, like, and they're just, I like, it's not that they're, it's not, not that they are mean to each other. It's just, like, that they're both really tired all the time, it feels like. See, and that's, that's not my problem. It's not that they're both ragged. It's not, the, it's that Delenn continues to rise and Sheridan falls. Sheridan is diminished by this season and doesn't like, he feels out of place next to her. And it feels really awkward and off to me. I think that also just talking about the relationship and like not any of the broader plot stuff, I feel like there was an aim to like go to the kind of like old married couple type of thing. Except Mm -hmm. that like it's, affectionless in a lot of ways like that they don't feel like you know an old married couple who like you know in in all the positive ways of that of like where you can like anticipate the other person's needs and like have a strong connection and have like your car in londo yeah exactly exactly they've just like skipped to the kind of all the negative parts of the old married couple where you are like rolling your eyes at the other person because it's like, oh my God, you know, they're on their bullshit again. Sexless dorks. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, (laughs) uh, I don't want to completely derail this whole episode complaining about Sheridan, but like, I could not have been more over Sheridan this episode uh, as a rule. Uh, The only thing he did that I liked was the way he karate chopped the light on. That was cool. That was pretty dope. I I hate his like, his like tantrum with the council too like yeah. that he's he's up there and he's like 
he's like pumping his hands like a toddler. And it's like, what yeah. is going on here? I mean, yeah. it's uh, I mean, it is John possessed by the the by the possibility that he can become a wartime leader again. <laughs> that's the that's the only way. Like that's the only yeah. resolution is that he's just possessed by the plot energy of like I can become a wartime president. <laughs> yeah, I think. I, well, I mean, I think to give the story, the narrative, the benefit yeah. of the doubt, I think it's a guy who. I mean, frankly. If I had to deal with what the Drazi and the Procuri were doing with this fucking season, I'd be like Sheridan right now. I mean, Sheridan has the patient of a state. I would have shot one of these motherfuckers already. <laughs> I, yeah, no, absolutely. I would have I would have put both of them in an it's, airlock it's, I, and just jettisoned because them. Because like what we've seen at the season is that nobody in this goddamn alliance wants to operate on good faith. Yeah. No, no, absolutely. The Drazi and the Procuri absolutely both deserve to weirdly, die. Out. Weirdly, Londo. Like, prior to all of this bullshit happening, Londo was one of the only people who wanted to operate on good faith. It's just that, yeah. you know, yeah. he doesn't have as much power as he thought he did. Yeah, he, he is, as we will see in the next episode, um, being lied to by a government that doesn't know what is going on. I mean, yeah. like, there are layers to how fucked up the Centauri are yeah. right now. Yeah, not fucked up, just uh, fucked. Yeah. I mean, they're they're just believe it or not, though there are things I like about this episode. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there are two scenes in particular, three scenes in particular that I like in this episode. Do they do they all involve Jakar? Uh, two of them do. <laughs> uh, the Jakar Delen scene. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that it's I, yeah, hundred percent. That scene, scene, which they haven't really interacted much in season five. Not yeah. a ton. Not since the very beginning. But mm. I love that scene, and I love how like emotional Jakar is getting. Yeah, I, just, I really like that scene as, like, it feels like it closes kind of an emotional loop from something that, you know, started a long time ago, which was when Delenn revealed to Jakar that, yeah, you know, they knew the shadows were coming, they knew that Centauri were working mm -hmm. with them, and they did nothing in, you know... Yep. And kind of left the Narn out to, hanging out to dry. Um, yeah. And Jakar that at that point has is been like, earned. Yeah. I might be able to forgive you someday, but it ain't today. Yeah. Um, and I feel like this is closing the emotional loop on this and like really having them have a moment being like, yes, he has he has forgiven her and like their relationship is repaired. He's entrusting her with with the additions to his book that he hopes will fix some of the angrier parts of his mm -hmm. writing of his earlier writing. That's a big yeah. thing to trust to somebody and he's giving it to her that, that tr clearly clearly shows how he's forgiven her and he's placing this great trust in her. I mean, plus she chose him to write the, the, the declaration of principles for the, you know, the Alliance, like they're great. The second scene is also Jakar and Londo, the scene at the door I love that scene because it's Londo is is so prickly this episode. He's so wounded because this is something he worked hard for to build the to help build the alliance and he's seeing his his role in it burned down and he doesn't understand why. And yeah. he and rather than like you know talking to people and trying to like communicate like a like a regular person He's just falling back on Centauri bluster because that's what he does. 
Um, but Jakar, because, you know, he's Jakar, he knows how to get through to Londo. And they have this nice moment where he's like, no, you, you know that shit's fucked. Like, <laughs> and they yeah. have this nice little moment and it's, it's brilliant. Um, I'm curious though, if you guys know what, if you can guess what the third scene I like is though. Zach and Garibaldi. Correct. Yeah. Uh, it is the only scene so far. And to my memory, the only scene in, in season five that I feel like handles Garibaldi's alcoholism authentically. That whole scene where the, the confrontation, the defensiveness, the, justifications and then Zach's pushback. I mean, I would not at all be surprised if JMS has either been in that actual conversation before. Mm-hmm. I, you know, on one end of it, I mean, like I said, he always claims he doesn't do anything, but we, we know he does a bunch of, he did a whole bunch of Coke <laughs> while writing these, these seasons. <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't at all be surprised if he either genuinely confronted an alcoholic exactly this way or he he knows someone who did because that's entirely too authentic uh, an interaction mm-hmm. to 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 come out of nowhere that's the, the the specific like the the defensiveness the justifications like the path that conversation took is one i've i've done i've been in that conversation and there's there's an authenticity to the 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 timing and the phrasing of how garibaldi lays out his logic and like tries to back away from that conversation that feels uncomfortably true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's back to the kind of level of handling of the topic that we liked back when it was Franklin. Yeah. That, you know, Garibaldi confronting Franklin was a solid scene. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I really thought that scene was was extremely well executed and a nice bit of acting from both people involved. I like that Zach finally stood up for himself. Yeah, yeah. That Zach is like, man, fuck off. If you want, like, he's just completely over Garibaldi's shit. And then Garibaldi proceeds to go and then start a war with his alcoholism, the jagaloon. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, man, you had one job. Yeah. It took him, like, what, less than one day to fuck it up? Like, give me some time, Zach. I'm going to drink myself into a war. Honestly, Bester would have been a better, would have been a better uh, head spook. Right? Honestly, yeah. I mean, like, I mean, Bester's is not that any, do, is there anybody that questions Bester's that? Bester's not going to do it because he's too busy with like deal make, making his telepath supremacist state. Um, but yeah. I'm just saying, it's like I, I, you know, it's yeah. I think that's something that isn't like that is good here is that like I do not like fiction where everybody makes good decisions. It's boring. It's shitty. Yeah. Um, and then there's like this idea, like. I think there's there is a, like a specific like idea of like well why didn't this character do this and this and this it's like because they made a choice and it was wrong, <laughs> um and you yeah. know it's like you know it's you know like Garibaldi it's like oh hey why did you dude why did you decide to take off this really like exhausting assignment when you are clearly not well it's like because the dude is making a bad decision and it starts a war. <laughs> well, and when you're in that position, like you can't yeah, see it. Exactly. You're, it's, he's he's not in the position to see the other side. What the fuck is Sheridan's plan here? It, it's it's so like weird because it's like what it, like what the plan actually is. He's gonna like he's gonna set up like a spy network so that like every jump gate is watched. But they're but once they get like pre knowledge of like where 
uh, a, a Centauri shipment is going to go, they're going to just redeploy White Stars as quick as they can. Yeah, which is so wildly feel... un- unmanageable and yeah. uh, unsustainable. Yeah. This is, yeah. like, it's playing chicken. Like, that's what it is. It's like you're playing chicken with, like, with battleships. And, I mean... Well, and... I think that's what he's doing. And and we and we discover that after next episode that it, it never yeah. would have worked. Because, yeah, I mean, like, the, the problem of it is, is that they are playing chicken with... Uh, with a car that is pure ballistic <laughs> or against a car yeah. that is pure ballistic and there is no driver. Yeah. But I think, I think that's what he's doing though, is he's, he's playing chicken and he still is hoping that like Londo will be able to talk some sense into Centauri yeah. somehow. He's operating on a level of good faith that the Centauri have not shown within the entirety of this series in kind. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's the other part of this that, again, we're ta- we, we're referencing the next episode a lot, and we kind of yeah. have to because these this is practically a two parter. Um, the problem that they've run into that I think they don't realize that they have until the until next episode is they think that they have gone back to a pre Shadow War state of being mm-hmm. where where it's Narn and Centauri and the fucking Drazi and Brakiri. And they're just like people chopping it up, getting into fights and whatever. And it's, they have not figured out that there's more going on than that. They have not figured out that there is an X factor at play that they thought they were done with. And they're about to. Yeah. Yeah. Which is is hilarious because like they know it's not gone. Well, I, I mean, they know it, they, they do and they don't. I don't think they anticipated the degree in which it would be an active part, it would be active on the on the scene. Yeah. So immediately. see, see, this is the part where I like roll my eyes at like the entirety of season five, and like, okay, because John has teleported to the future and seen <laughs> that true. the Centauri homeworld gets wrecked because shadows infest it. That's true. I forgot Lando about that. Lando tells him. Lando tells that's, him. That's yeah, funny. Um, I forgot about that. Uh, like, and this is one of the things with the rewatch. I'm like, oh my God, John, did you like not fucking write that down? Did you not like tell Delenn about what you saw in the future other than like, yeah, we're married and we have a kid. With a really dumb name. <laughs> Apologies to all the people named David out there. It's a fine name. It's just a, du- a dumb name to Apologies give your... Apologies to a friend of the show, like, David Bresch. <laughs> yeah, David Bresch, you're great. I love you, David. But also, like, you know, it, we're talking about the the son of two Entel Zaz. Like, I feel like you could have, I don't know, picked a, a, a Minbari name or something that sounds Minbari-esque. I don't know. It's a little... It's just a little whitewashed, which I feel like David will will respect. He'll respect that opinion. Human washed. There you go. Human washed. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, which I, I think that's a whole that's a whole other conversation that we could have about Delenn and uh, John's relationship, which we you know we could potentially talk about next up. You know, in yeah, in I know what you're to, talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got thoughts. Yeah. So I, I think that that's an actual thing that we could talk about, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, it's, it's like, come on, man. Like 
you've been to the future. Like the future told you that the shadow, the the people left over from you know, the allies of the shadows set up base on Centauri Prime because you see it. And Londo tells you. And yeah. you see the like gross slug thing on his neck. Yeah. Like yeah, it's, how it's does he remarkable. not get it? Maybe, maybe it's that maybe it's that John is just really bad about spoilers. <laughs> like he's one of those people who like if you tell him the name of a character in a movie, he'll be like, and he just decided to apply that to real life as well. And and yet he like he's like, I'm gonna go to Zahadoom because somehow if I go to Zahadoom, I'm gonna you know save Centauri Prime. Maybe it's and it's like maybe buddy. it's that he thinks that he has like changed the future already. Yeah, <sighs> but I'm still, sure JMS like, has a very pat answer for this. But also, like... It's a, it's a massive plot hole, man. Yeah, it's a big plot hole. I think that John, by, like, going to Zaha Doom, thinks that he changed something and that he has changed the future. Like, that, that, is, my, that is my explanation for this on how I will rationalize it. Because that's the only... Yeah. Like, Not- that's the really... The, is that, like, if he believes that he has changed the future... Because he thinks yeah, the shadows not realizing that the f- present he yeah. thinks the shadows are gone, or at least like it's no like the shadows have left Centauri Prime and everything. Yeah. So I like that. I I think we could like rationalize it by saying by going to Zaha Doom, and by the end of like what happened on Centauri at the end of the war, I think he could reasonably think that he has changed the future. But still, like when when the Centauri start like acting weird and aggressive out of nowhere, and Londo doesn't know about it, he just thinks that the Centauri are up to their bullshit. <laughs> yeah, but like I mean, and in fairness, that- the Centauri mass drivered the Narns like really recently. Like super recently, yeah, I, I think it is like a thing where he's like looking at. I I I think John is the person who's like, I'm going to take Occam's razor here and just assume the Centauri are being massive jackholes. Yeah, and see, this is where I'm like, come on, John, you could have like talked about this to like have this conversation with your partner. You know, talk talk about the future with them. Talk about your weird future visions with yeah. with your partner because Agreed. i think delenn would have been like no 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 no. there was a prophecy yeah maybe maybe don't trust the weird dumb human to interpret the future maybe let the uh minbari that successfully navigated a thousand years of prophecy to to stick the landing on that whole prophecy and trans transmutation and uh thousand year war thing let 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 her do the yeah. dream yeah. interpretation Home skillet. All right. Sigh. Uh, the only other thing that I will say about this episode is uh, I don't know what the natural musk that Jakar has that he quite likes is, but I wish I did. Oh, see, I thought he was saying that Londo had a natural musk. Oh, interesting. Uh, no, I thought he was referring yeah. to himself, but I like it better that he's talking about Londo. I think people have used that like phrase about him. Yeah, but there's, but I I think oh, I he's see. like he's he's using the same phrase about Londo. Yeah, I, because I I feel like you know they've had it's a repeat of conversation that they've had before. I think, ah. and he's like, and he's like, oh no, Londo, I like your bo. I've cr- I've grown accustomed <laughs> to it. That's funny. Oh yeah, no, I thought he was just bragging about how yeah. good he smells. 
and it made me wonder how good Jakar smells. I, I, I choose. I was choosing to believe that as well. I want to imagine that it's like I want to. I want to imagine that it's like well-oiled uh, snakeskin. Interesting. Yeah, like that. That's that's what I'm choosing to believe. Yeah, I... Like, like it's a good. Like he's like a, a good pair of snakeskin boots. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. I don't have any evidence for this. Okay. I just like you know. No, I'm into it. I'm into it. I have I have one thing that drives me absolutely nuts with this episode. Okay. Which is Franklin's like oh. expert testimony thing. And it's just space talk ease for and then the image that you see on when you die is imprinted on your ret- retinas. <laughs> Wait, it's, it's hold on. That. Hold it's, on. It's just that. Are you telling me that Franklin doesn't know anything about medicine? Are we? Are are we? Are, are have you joined Team Franklin as an incompetent doctor? No, I doctor? think that JMS doesn't know anything about science. <laughs> yeah, this is this is. I, I'm going to put this solidly on writer bullshit. Yeah. I mean, like the bru- like the bruising. <sighs> no, I I think this is Franklin not knowing science, and like that. Centauri weapons are explosive rather than slicing. Those make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, you know, that, you know, or or you could say something like, you know, they, uh, Centauri weapons, like, burn at a certain temperature yeah. and like, you know. But you don't buy the rods and cones so don't funny. relax argument? Jesus it's... Christ. <laughs> and, and like, what if the people that they like randomly selected from each ship got shot in the fucking back? Yeah. Right? Well, what if they were what if they were reading a comic book at the time? Exactly. I, I like What if they don't have regular rods and cones like like humans Yeah, what if do? they're bugs? What if they don't yeah. yeah. What if they're ge- what if they're the game? Yeah. What if? I don't really have anything else that I want to go through on this episode, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> let's right. go into the let's let's go on. to the second one where we actually have shit to talk about. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The second episode is episode 17, Movements of Fire and Shadow, which is also what I call what happens after I eat Taco Bell. Uh written by <laughs> JMS and directed by John C. Flynn the <laughs> third. <laughs> I'm really proud. I've been holding that one. I, I've been, I've had that one primed all day. I, I, I killed Justin. Even, I don't even know why. I'm, in my own defense, I'm not laughing at my own joke. I'm laughing at, how, at Justin's reaction to, to it. You ever have one of those things where you're just like... I don't know why I'm laughing so hard at this, but it just broke. Well, and this is the second recording. This is the second recording in a row where we've had, like, we we have either mocked Jude for consuming Taco Bell or Jude has mocked himself for consuming Taco Bell. Well, as Zathras will attest, uh, it's a well-deserved reputation. Uh, <laughs> Taco, Taco Bell. I love Taco Bell, but Taco Bell does not love me. So... Uh, anyway, this episode, written by JMS and directed by John C. Flynn, uh, after the l- last episode, I sort of thought would be all fun and jokes and games, right? No. Uh, and you can tell that it's going to suck because it opens with a Lockley voiceover, a character who I still forget is on this show, and when I am reminded, I am angry about it. It's okay. JMS forgets she's on the show, too. 
The Centauri War is apparently blowing up fast, and the Centauri on the station are suffering, to the degree that she's considering quarantining them away where no one can murder them. Except that everyone wants to kill them, so where do you put them? And is Byron's weird sex den not available? (laughs) Sheridan shows up in her quarters at 2 a.m., and not for a quick bit of late-night Netflix and chill, but to tell her that Garibaldi has reports of the Centauri blowing up jump gates. Whether these are real or figments of his drunken dreams is anyone's guess. She says that as long as the White Stars aren't involved in the shooting, at least B-5 won't be a target. Sheridan informs her that that he's just given the order for the White Stars to get involved. There goes the rest of her night's sleep. At breakfast, Sheridan and Delenn talk about their dwindling supply of White Stars, and he brings her a proposal a joint Earthman-Bari project to build a destroyer-class White Star. This is a reference to the show that shall not be named. But it has to be a secret project, so he wants her to carry the request in person to Minbar. At a meeting of the Brakiri, Narn, and Drazi, Sheridan does a mix of lecturing and investigation, trying to figure out what the fuck ass the Centauri strategy is, and warns them that he will sanction no acts against civilian targets. Lockley is pulled out of the meeting by an alert, which turns out to be an apparently unmanned Centauri cruiser on a suicide run against the jump gate. They successfully destroy the ship, but not without some some small damage to the jump gate. After the meeting, the Drazi and the Narn meet and agree to hit the Centauri homeworld against Sheridan's orders. Sheridan calls Delenn to tell her about the attack on the gate and to check in before he hops on a White Star and try and prevent the Drazi and Narn from blowing up Centauri Prime. Delenn, however, is about to have her own problems. A bunch of the Centauri ships intercept her White Star, and it's hit! Spinning out of control, damaged in hyperspace. She, Lanier, and a few others survive, but the ship is barely holding on to the beacon, and they have no no way of knowing if their distress signal is even working. And Lanier's leg is fucked. In the other half of our A-plot, on Centauri Prime, Londo is pontificating about his plan for how he's going to get out of prison on the back of a popular uprising against the Regent. When there's a flash of white light that knocks him and Jakar out, a wall opens and Londo is dragged out of the room. Three big-headed aliens perform some kind of probing. They scan and drill, and eventually a fourth alien shows up, all craggy-faced, and says Londo will do nicely, as if he's some sort of Thanksgiving turkey. Then Londo is gassed, and he abruptly wakes up back in his cell. He panics about immediately needing to get out of here, but he has to do it without losing face. So Jakar gives him away. He barfs up his last meal in what is <laughs> an absolutely goddamn spectacular scene. Oh, I, I have no words for this scene. Uh, the look of panic on Londo's face. It's choice. It's so good. Uh, Londo escapes the apparently eye-wateringly disgusting smell and proceeds to begin trying to rally support, but gets nowhere with his tentacle bag defense minister. That night, though, the regent appears in his rooms and tells him that his time is nearly over. They apparently talk all night, and in the morning, the regent says they have told him that by tomorrow he'll be dead and Londo will be emperor. Who is they? Londo will soon find out. He then casually informs Londo that he sent the fleet away on the pretext of an emergency and turned off the planetary defense network. 
Londo flees from him in horror out of the building and looks up to see the fleet emerging from hyperspace and beginning to fire down on the planet. Dun, dun, dun. We also have a surprisingly awesome C-plot in which Veer asks Franklin and Lita to come to his quarters, which look a whole lot like a B5 version of a luxury capsule hotel from a cyberpunk novel, and asks them to go to the Drazi homeworld to find out why the Drazi aren't returning the bodies of the Centauri they kill. Franklin agrees, and Veer thanks them both, only to be stopped short by Lita, looking fly as hell in some sharp-ass business black. She points out that she hasn't agreed to shit, and says that her fee has gone up to a half a million credits. Both Franklin and Vera are fucking flabbergasted, but she's very no-nonsense about this. She's funding an, org- an underground and a, and a homeworld. She ain't got time for freebies, motherfuckers. <laughs> Particularly not for the Centauri. God. Yeah. On the Drazi homeworld, Franklin and Lita get to the, their hotel. Who decides... Who goes to Franklin for a hotel I'm recommendation sorry. is what no, I want to no, know. To Garibaldi for a hotel Or to Garibaldi. Thank well, you. Let's take our shots to the correct place here. Yeah, Garibaldi, yeah. and, and I like that Lita correctly, like, calls Franklin on it, like, so you're telling me this is going to be a fucking flea bag hotel, and he's like, yeah, probably. I don't know, my boyfriend's had to stay there. It's like, okay, this is the hotel that Garibaldi, like, nearly got murdered in, and somebody else definitely got murdered in, and also he was attacked by somebody on, like, coming over the balcony. So, like... Yeah. What are you expecting to happen, you- I mean, they're going to the same hotel but, so they can reuse the set. Let's just be honest about it. Yeah. Uh, so they get to the room, and just like with Garibaldi, Franklin's contact shows up. He's only there like four seconds before Lita susses out that he's lying about where the the Centauri bodies are. Just as two frankly inept fucking Drazi repel over the balcony above and try to shoot them. But if even Franklin gets the drop on you, you deserve to be shot. Lita takes care of the other one with fucking horrifying slowness forcing him to kill himself telepathically which is some shit god damn lita god damn they then force their contact to take them to where the bodies are which he previously denied existed when they arrive they find a warehouse full of weird pods uh lita touches one and hears the familiar shadow scream and says she knows what it is row they flee with one just as their contact is shot. They call Sheridan and Lita tells him that the Vorlons told her of such things and they're basically an organic remote control fly-by-wire rig and Sheridan realizes that the whole Centauri War has been a setup. The Regent and a very small group of people could have been running the entire aggressive side of the Centauri fleet on their own without anyone the wiser. And that's the end of it. Oh man, this episode. This yeah. Is- this is a decent episode of B5. Yeah, it's I, I really like this. It, it's it, it's sort of like like the warp. I think my favorite my favorite part of it was definitely the Lita and Franklin plot because it's like yeah. It, yeah, it's here where you get to see everything that is like makes sense and why really none of the piracy makes sense for the start of yeah. season yeah. of just like. Well, like, why is why can't they find anything on this? What is going on? Yeah, because none of it is does make sense. Um, you also get to see Lita be fucking stone cold awesome, and it like the show like narratively recognizes that Lita's done being stepped on, 
when she just she like, gets... when Vera's like, oh, I just assumed and he gestures at Franklin. She's like, nah, motherfucker. Like, that's not how we roll no more. <laughs> like, every time we talk about t- she has like Yeah, she, three... she has such good stuff in the back half of the season. She has like three or four awesome moments in this episode. Uh, she looks like such a goddamn boss in that scene with Franklin okay. and Veer. So because we can't, because we keep, have to keep making going back to this well uh, with telepaths. Do you know what Lita has become in the back half of season five here? Now that once Byron dies, she's motherfucking Emma Frost. Yeah, she's got big Emma Frost energy in this episode. Like between the fashion glow up. Uh, like, like she, she's not yeah. exactly like killing it here, but she's like, those are very good outfits in this episode compared to the, yeah. Well, particularly the, the meeting suit that she's wearing, that's got some, I mean, it's a little shoulder patty, but like, yeah, it's got some real Emma Frost, like, yeah, for sure. We'll send you some pictures. Anna's just staring at us with this blank look like <laughs> cool boys. <laughs> Thumbs up. Uh, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm super into that. Um, everything she's doing here. The scene where she forces the guy to the Drazi oh to God. kill himself. I'm just oh like God. And yeah. Franklin's I love that they keep Franklin in the background and he's just like, <laughs> yeah, he's, like he's, he's just like, horrified the in the background the whole time. And that he doesn't say a word. He's just like, I can get in yeah. the middle of this. Like, <laughs> yeah. like and he doesn't say Jack. And she just stares at him while this guy's like, no, no. And then it cuts to her face as the shot goes off. And there's no horror. There's no regret. It's just like she looks angry, but she doesn't look this. She doesn't look shocked at herself. Yeah. 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 This is not like season two, season three lead up where she would have been like, what did I do? She's just like, yeah, die, motherfucker. Great. Yeah. Fucking love Lita. And honestly, I, I do enjoy her dynamic with Franklin. Yeah, it's a good team. Yeah, up. it's a good. She she really balances out Franklin's like relentless annoying optimism really well mm-hmm. but like without you know, that that I think it's the same sort of balancing that they tried to do with like the Franklin Garibaldi friendship but it works way better with Lita mm-hmm. yeah um a couple of things <laughs> one more thing I liked and then two things I did not in this episode uh, one thing I loved is the sound, the foley that they that they came up with for the sound that Jakar makes right before he horses. All of oh, it's like it's like a pot of of thick soup, a boiling. It's this like really meaty, chunky, organic sound bubbling. Oh my god! I had flashbacks. I was it was rough. It's hats off. To the fucking and, and, sound and crew just on like, this episode. The Jurassic's like look of abject <laughs> terror. It's great. I love that scene. It's so good. Uh, two oh. things I don't like. Uh, one, Sheridan referring to getting angry as honking off. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that that does not mean what you think it means, my friend. Because if you asked 100 people what someone is doing when they honk off someone... They don't mean piss off. They're they're referring to something else. And second, uh, we're going to have to talk about uh, that that, that conversation that Sheridan and Delenn have. I don't know what to do with the information that Delenn or that John bought Delenn lingerie that she decided 
that she declined to wear on the grounds that it looked silly. Do you know what this is? This is about learning about your parents' kinks. <laughs> like well, that, it, it's that exact it's energy the, except for fictional characters, which I did not think it was possible for me to like feel that way about fictional characters. But it's like, I'm like, yeah. I need to know absolutely nothing about either of your sex lives. <laughs> That's the thing. I want to know about Delenn's sex life, I, but not John's. Like, I want to know all the people. I, I would read all the fan fiction about who Delenn was was hooking up with <laughs> in school. But I, I have zero interest in, in knowing what kind of, of bedroom aids that John bought to try and spice up their relationship when politics made made their their lives so boring that, that he can't get it up on the on the tilt bed. When I was saying that they've kind of jumped straight to bad old married couple mm-hmm. energy, that's kind of what I mean yeah. here. But like I think that there would have been a way to like play play this scene or this conversation as like, hey, they're learning what each other's like cultures yeah. are and like that's like fun and sexy right like how is that not fun and sexy like it's because like you, this right <laughs> yes because you make john sound you it makes john come off like a fuddy yeah and it it makes delen i don't know it, it just doesn't work uh you know, i it, do it, love though that delen is like it just looks silly and you're just like oh oh john that's shame you feel right now. That's that's shame. There's so many ways you could improve their relationship this season, but there's so many ways you could improve that like this particular interaction and like, you know, and ways to like actually make it seem fun and not like, you yeah. know, this kind of like awkward thing of like, oh, well, you know, yeah. he bought her some sexy underwear and she was like, lol, no. Like, yeah. that's just that's just no fun. Like that she could have, she could have gotten him something. Yeah. I think part of the problem is that, uh, I think JMS probably has the, I'm not going to cast aspersions on JMS himself, but I will say that as a writer, he can't write romance for fuck. He can write like courtship. Okay. But all the best Sexual energy in this show is either unintentional or Jakar. If you just transferred like the writing energy for Jakar and Londo and like duplicated that onto Sheridan and Delenn, you'd be fine. Yeah. It'd be fun. It'd be flirty. Like. That's why I say unintentional. The reason that Jakar and Londo works is because it is completely unresolved. I <laughs> I, I will say that it is like that. that that's, I think, important because it's like. It's never resolved. They just get to be like they get to be bitchy at each other. They never. I, 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 I don't grant that those two have never crossed tentacles. You don't know what you don't know what's happening. I mean, we're, I'm going off the text here. <laughs> I, I, I encourage you to find me some textual proof that those two have never ended up. In I bed mean, together. there's nothing to say that they have. So I mean, it's just through through lack through <laughs> lack of evidence. I'm going to say that it's like the fact right. that they. The show literally refers to them as an old married couple. So I'm just saying, uh, I won't sink your ships if you don't sink I'm mine. I'm not sinking a ship. I'm just saying that like we, so <laughs> there has to be, there has you. to be the thing of like, I, no, yeah, I know what you why, mean. It's yeah. the reason why Garrick and Bashir work for me. 
especially because they never act. I, okay, can we, okay, can we go on this tangent for a sec? I just like I want to I want to talk yeah. about this because this is the thing that I'm like. I think that like, especially in like '90s sci-fi, there is certain there there is a certain queer subgenre that comes out of like '90s sci-fi uh, gay ships. Like I like the three the three that I'm going to the three that I'm going to present as evidence here are Xena and Gabrielle. That was the one I was thinking Jac- of. Yeah. Uh, Garrick and Bashir and Jacquard Londo. And I mean Xena and Gabrielle go a lot for I they're able to go like much farther than those other two are, like within the text of the show. And they those were those were putting stuff out there that like frankly was light years ahead of anything else. But I, I like I think there <laughs> is something that is like there's a difference between what we see what we see now of like because because there isn't a lot to talk about <laughs> in this episode, we're gonna go to like I'm gonna use the word here that is going to probably burn our mentions of the ground. Queer baiting that happens at modern shows that like actually is queer baiting of like supernatural. Yeah, supernatural sure. is yeah. going to be the th- supernatural and Sherlock. Yeah. Those are gonna be the two that I'm just gonna bring out right here. Where the yeah. instead of where instead of with 90 shows, it is we can't get this on TV, but we're going to intimate it and we're going to play with this. And I don't know if JMS is in that that field there, though. I mean, Jakar and Londo get really close there, especially in the season five stuff. Um, compared to like stuff there, I think there is like a very specific queer reading you can do with Jakar and Londo, and like I don't mm-hmm. need them to kiss. And I think it would. I don't want to say this because because it's like, I, frankly it just it wasn't possible at the time. But them kissing, I think, would actually ruin it for me. <laughs> it's the whole thing of like no, I yeah. I totally get that. It's the whole thing that. of like yeah. I enjoy. It's like there are certain there are certain TV shows that I have not watched the end of because I know it will be like I know whatever it is, it won't be satisfying, and I'm just going to enjoy the the journey. I get that. Yeah. B five is kind of one of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Aaron, Aaron I appreciate um, you having to edit that ramp, ramble there. Yeah, this is going to be well, this episode's going to be a journey to edit. Speaking of journeys, I I wanted to circle back to another thing that we kind of talked about. We started talking about with the last episode, and then we're like, we should we should hold this. But the human washing that I feel like I feel like that's one of the things that that is one of the things that super bothers me in season five is that we've seen Delenn become kind of more and more human Mm. in a lot of ways. Yeah. And a lot of that, like a lot of that has been fun. Like, you know, when, when she goes out to dinner with Sheridan in season two and like, you know, a lot of that of her exploring a different culture has been fun, but, and they've, and some of the best moments in their relationship have been when John has tried to, like, yeah. go, you know, tried to embrace Bimbari culture as well and understand her better. You know, that we have the, the like, hilarious, ridiculous dinner scene and, yeah. like, him cooking Flarn incredibly badly and, like, or even, even in this episode, the, or I guess it was the last one, where... You know, he 
he sits down. He might be wearing the awful loafers, but he sits <laughs> down. Uh, he sits down next to her at the and candle. About just the candle. Like, yeah. Explain this to me. <laughs> like, you know, and, and she does. And I really like that moment. I think it's one of the better moments that we've had between them in this yeah. whole godforsaken season. Give us more of that. And I feel like, you know, the, the thing of like John buying her lingerie is just, it really fits into the like, please conform to human woman. Thank you. Yeah. No, I, yeah, that, that hits it on the head for me. That's, that's why it feels gross to me. Yeah, I don't, it, it, def, it very much, yeah, I can't say it better than that. Yeah, you hit it on the head. Yeah, I don't really think, I think that there is like a whole thing there with like, gosh, it's just, it's a mess. That's what it is. And it's like, I, I maybe it's just that like we, re- like it was like, oh, hey, we don't want to like do another like Minbari, weird Minbari tradition. Because I mean, we did sort of get, we did sort of get really infuriated with this in season four. Yeah, 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 yeah. But like, I think we could have like one-off jokes, mm-hmm. like the, you know, like the lingerie joke in this one. Um, that if we had more of those where it's just like them chatting about something, if those went kind of both, you know, both cultural directions, it'd be, it'd be a lot more fun. Also, you know, the thing where Delenn is like, oh, it would be, you know, they seem silly. And I'm like, that seems, that honestly seems out of character for her because like she enjoys humor and silly things. Yeah. I, I, think, I think it was more silly in the idea of like this seem I don't know maybe the maybe the Minbari do not have I okay this is maybe the Minbari do not are have, the Minbari never nudes I, I <laughs> as a as a species I believe that no Minbari has ever been nude that's really good <laughs> oh my god like, like truly <laughs> that is a race of never nudes. Uh, that, that species God, that's, comes that's really funny. in a full robe. <laughs> I I definitely like I do think that there's like there's a I, I like I like how this like season like resolves the whole thing of like this mystery of the sh- of this fleet. I just sort of kind of wish that it was like that there had been, that there was a little bit more investigation leading up to the actual reveal of the shadow ships. Yeah, like we could have we could have skipped it's a cool like reveal, but I think it's like it comes a little too late or not even too late, but I I think it's there's not enough lead up to this specific thing. It would have been a great mid-season stinger, yeah. right? Yeah. Like if we hadn't wasted half a goddamn yeah. season going nowhere with a telepath war. Yeah, I still don't get Still don't get where, I mean, I just don't get what the fuck he was doing with that. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's not all of them could be winners, I I guess. Like, you could have wrapped the whole thing up in, like, an episode and a half, man. Like, make it a two-parter and we're done. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't need to be half a goddamn season. Um, Also, can all Narn vomit on command? Boy, I I hope so. I hope that's like a vestigial thing, evolutionary thing. Oh, like, no, 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 no. They're pouch peters. So maybe they've got to regurgitate them for the babies. <laughs> wow. I, I'm just going to... I'm just going to sign out of this chat now. Peace. 
<laughs> That's our episode, folks. Uh. On that on that mental picture. Uh well I, right. I do have I do have one one thing. So you called out Veer's quarters. Okay. The bunk bed things oh where my they're God. like I would hate sleeping in those. The capsule beds. They're capsule beds. Yeah. Yeah, but they're not but it's not like they're 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 not parallel to the wall. They are perpendicular yeah, no, the, to the wall. So no, have like, you ever seen like my my brother went to Asia and because he's uh both conservative with his funds, uh let's say, he stays as often as possible in things like capsule hotels. And that's often how it is. It'll just be like a wall with a door on it and you open the door and you just slide yeah, but this in is, like a fucking but like corpse the, in but a like the si- the size of that bed is like Well, that's why I called that's why I called yeah. it like the luxury suite capsule I mean, I'm, hotel. Like, Cause you get like a couch and the capsule. But that's like Man, that's just like a head trauma hazard waiting to happen. Yeah, no, no, no. Like, like when I look at like w- when you look at like capsule beds, there is room that you can like at least like sit up. Oh, yeah. yeah, there is. That is that is not a bed. That is a that is a that is a morgue drawer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah. that is that isn't like I yeah. It, yeah, it's a real meat locker. Yeah. <laughs> It's and weird. yet, the, and yet, the rest of the room is like a reasonable yeah. size. Yeah, it's a weird configuration. Like, like bunks totally make sense in space where you're dealing with like limited yeah, real estate. But this should be lying sideways, I think, especially because there's nobody yeah. else in this room. Yeah, yeah. All right. All um, right. Pouch vomit and capsule beds. Yeah. I- <laughs> Another an alternative title for this episode: Minbari Never Nudes. <laughs> oh God. I'm never going to get that image of... All right. Take us um, away, Justin. We're done Wrap here. Wrap us up. Okay. Please. Um, yeah. So next time, we're going to be covering episodes 18 and 19 of season five. The Fall of Centauri Prime and The Wheel of Fire. These are both ominous titles. I'm sure nothing bad will happen in them whatsoever. Until next time, be seen. The Babylon Project is an independent production. All views expressed on the show are our own. Clips from the original show remain property of the original owner. Music information can be found in the show notes. The rest of the show is licensed under a Creative Commons 4.0 share-alike no derivatives license. recording.